0: In a world with too much pop culture to consume, one man and one woman will argue about it until they get bored. It's an epic battle between obsession and indifference, and the winner will determine, well, very little actually. Eric Johnson and Emily Jones star in Giant Geek versus Mega Noob. Whoever wins,
1: we're still losers. Welcome to Season 5 of Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob, the podcast where we argue about something one of us is totally obsessed with,
2: and the other has never even seen.
1: I'm Eric Johnson.
2: And I'm Emily Jones. If this is your first time listening, you can find more Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob at gvnpodcast.com.
1: And you can also find all of our past episodes on iTunes and Google Play Music.
2: Today, we're watching a few episodes of The Twilight Zone, a classic TV series created by Rod Serling in 1959. Uh, This is an anthology. That's so interesting because that's super trendy now to do anthology shows. Uh, So each episode, although they're usually not episode by episode, they're usually season by season nowadays. Anyway, each episode is a self-contained story, often with a fantastic premise and a surprising end. Despite annual marathons of this show on TV and the fact that most of it is available on Netflix, I have never seen it.
1: And my secret hope, not so secret hope, is that this will be the new Doctor Who. That this show will I feel be like completely... we've been chasing
2: that since we started.
1: Yeah, I've been chasing that high all, all, all this time. Yeah, no, I mean, this is a show that you either love it or you hate it. I'm I'm okay. curious to see what you think of this. I love this show. I, I discovered this on a New Year's Eve marathon on the Sci-Fi Channel sometime when I was maybe about, I don't know, 12 or 13 years old. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's really a, a, a total, total delight just to kind of um, binge watch this show. So anyway, um, we're going to be watching three episodes from season one and two from season two. And these are by no means like the best episodes ever, but I feel like this is a representative sample. Uh, If we're only going to do watch five episodes, I think this is a good introduction to the show. And if you decide that you are like me and that you love this amazing, fantastic, wonderful show, you can go back and watch Pick and Choose, whichever ones uh, piqued your interest uh, after the fact.
2: Okay, So. so what is this not random, but to me, random sounding smattering of episodes that we're going to watch?
1: Okay, so, uh, I'll put all this in the show notes so you don't need to memorize these episode numbers, but we're going to watch, uh, Season 1, Episode 1, which is called Where Is Everybody? Season 1, Episode 22, which is The Monsters Are Due on Maple Street. Season 1, Episode 34, The After Hours. And then we're going to watch two from Season 2. Season 2, Episode 7, The Nick of Time. And Season 2, Episode 15, The Invaders.
2: All right, then.
1: Yeah, so don't bother <laughs> memorizing any of that. I'll put it all down in some fashion on the blog and in the show notes. Um, and so if you want to watch these episodes, the way that I prefer to do it is on Netflix. Seasons one, two, three, and 5 of the show are on Netflix. I don't know okay. what the deal with 4 is. Uh, but you can also find these if you have an Amazon Prime subscription. You can find them on Amazon for free. Uh, it's also on Hulu. Or if you uh, really like watching these with ads, you can watch them, uh, stream them on CBS's website or if all of those for whatever reason don't work for you you can rent each of these episodes for 2 bucks amazon itunes vudu etc etc
2: so it's abundantly available is what you're saying
1: and yet you have never seen it so we are going to fix that right now fine
0: you're traveling through another dimension a dimension not only of sight and sound but of mind A journey into a wondrous land whose boundaries are that of imagination. That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop, the Twilight Zone.
2: we're back. We just finished watching a bunch of Twilight Zone episodes. Uh, And before before we get to what either of us thought about the Twilight Zone, uh, we should note, we usually say this in the beginning, but we forgot to in our excitement to get season five underway. (laughs) Uh, So just in case you've never listened before and you're not familiar, we're about to discuss everything that happens in the five episodes that we watched. So... Uh, spoilers if you, Right, if you haven't seen them, spoilers are on their way And you should watch the episodes before you proceed
1: The spoilers are due on Maple Street, yes
2: So, anyway, uh, now that we've gotten the spoiler warning out of the way uh, Before we get to my thoughts on The Twilight Zone Eric, why do you love it so much?
1: Uh, well, I'm sure we'll go into detail about the specific episodes we watched But as sort of an overarching point of praise for this uh, for this show I mean, I really do love. You mentioned it briefly in the in the intro, the anthology aspect of this, which is now just recently kind of back in vogue. Um, but I just love the the fact that you can come at this show kind of drop in at any place. You don't need to watch it all the way through in any particular order. You can basically just start it any episode you want, and you never really know what you're going to get. You certainly there are certainly Twilight zony. It's like themes. a box
2: of chocolates.
1: It's just like a box of chocolates. And, uh, yeah, and I mean, like, you know, th- there's certainly things that the Twilight Zone has contributed to culture, certain predictable tropes. And there's also several famous episodes where, like, everyone knows how they end, even if they haven't seen them. But that being said... I don't think that's said,
2: true of, like, literally any Twilight Zone episode for me. It's also made lots of contributions, like Zap Brannigan's voice?
1: <laughs> well, I think the more the bigger Futurama contribution is The Scary Door.
0: You're taking a vacation from normalcy. The setting, a weird motel where the bed is stained with mystery. And there's also some mystery floating in the pool. Your key card may not open the exercise room because someone smeared
1: mystery on the lock. But it will open the scary door.
2: Oh, I've totally seen this.
1: Yeah, yeah. Of course
2: I've seen this. I just didn't return. I didn't.
1: And so the scary door okay, is, is so a, a pitch perfect parody. I
2: didn't remember that it was called the scary door. But also, I will say, even having never watched The Twilight Zone, I was obviously aware that that was a Twilight Zone parody
1: when okay, I've seen I okay. I would have thought so. I, just, I would have thought so. I
2: just didn't retain, probably because one of the things that's so delightful about Futurama, which we'll get to hopefully this season when we make uh, make one of my friends watch it um, <laughs> as a guest uh one of the things that's sort of delightful about futurama though is the way that it like in aggressively specific and often unnecessarily minute and background ways like pushes other pop cultural buttons yeah and the, there's so many of those buried in futurama that i love so much that like i don't know that one that one just goes sort of in one ear and out the other and i don't care like Obviously I recognized what the, I I, I recognize what the parody is, but like it never it never gave me any like, oh Futurama strikes again with their brilliant references yeah. because I had never seen the original and didn't care. So But anyway, I mean but Sorry, that's that was uh, the, a long what the tangent. scary door
1: is making fun of is kind of the Twilight Zone style of like, you know, the Rod Serling voice, the narrator and like Imagine, if you will, a certain situation, right. you know? Right, 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 Well, uh, and like,
2: and I will say, I mean, obviously I know that Zat Brannigan is much more, um, is much more Captain Kirk-y. Uh, yeah. Which is probably speaking something- Speaking of which- <laughs> We're also going to get to in a future episode.
1: Well, speaking of Captain Kirk- Oh, yes,
2: no, I know, yeah. I <laughs> Bill like, Shatner
1: was, was in one yeah, of these episodes. I was like,
2: are you Shatner? Are you Shatner right now?
1: There's no question about it. Shatner six um, years before he was Kirk. Yeah. Yes, exactly.
2: Mm. But, uh, but anyway, but no, I just couldn't help but noticing, especially as it went on, I was like, this, mm, yeah, no, Zap <laughs> definitely owes a little something to Rod Serling.
1: To the Rod Serling voice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I am the man with no name, Zap Brenigan, at your service.
3: <sighs>
1: anyway, this so, is a long I mean, tangent. that. It's a long tangent, and that it's it's a long general intro. Uh, why don't I stop talking so you can tell us what you thought of the Twilight Zone?
2: righty. um, you know what? I really liked it as well, and I, I I do I do like what you were talking about the the whole kind of like drop in ability, like mm-hmm. you can uh you can drop in at any point. And I was thinking as I was watching it that like uh, something I might like do is like. I don't know, scroll through its IMDb page and spot actors that I'm interested in and, like, ch- watch... The one thing
1: to watch out for there, the one thing I will warn, is that sometimes IMDb... Um, the names of the characters for certain episodes will spoil the twist of the episode okay. um, I won't say which episodes those are but it is certainly a possibility. Well I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't necessarily
2: even interested in looking at like the specific episode so much as going like oh my god so and so. was a picture was of so and so so and so was in a Twilight Zone episode let me look up what episode that was and like yeah. probably not retain their character name going into it but anyway.
1: There, there, there's a ton of like famous actors from the time you know people who you will recognize who pop right, up. Right people who end Um, up being famous
2: yeah Um, exactly a lot of that yeah no so it was cool and it was you know it was smart in a lot of ways in that way that we don't expect from from older tv (laughs) I found myself especially the first one this impression faded but the Mm. very first one I felt like I did I I was like and then this is a good this is in a good way um but I was like (laughs) I feel like I'm in the opening moments of an episode of the Avengers where like the crazy thing happens and then it'll (laughs) culminate in like the jokey taglines for the episode showing up on the screen um and like then we'll get the intro and then you know deed will go to mrs peel and say we're needed or whatever
3: right um uh,
2: especially the first one i mean you see in fact like i think that there are at least one if not several avengers episodes that open with (laughs) like someone frantically running around a deserted town or a town, a weird town where something is off. There was another thing that was very Avengers-y that I'm not remembering. Um, But while we're doing big overall impressions, um, I will say, and I think think the conclusion that I've come to, and I'm going to get to a point here, but I want to say this first. (laughs) No, and this isn't even a long one of those tangents that I go on. I think the conclusion that, that, I draw from this thing that was frustrating me throughout um, is I feel like we expected a lot less of TV audiences. And when I say we, I mean like TV creators, which is not me at all, but like
3: Mm -hmm. anyway, Mm
2: -hmm like expected less of their audience or on the other side of the coin, didn't give them, didn't give them enough credit. And maybe they were correct at the time because audiences weren't trained to expect or look for, or think about these kinds of things. But like, I wanted to punch Rad Serling every time his <laughs> closing voiceover came in.
3: Like literally
2: with one, ex, with like pretty much every episode, the end of the last note on each episode Is literally, ugh! I hate the voiceover. Stop ruining this.
3: Yes, this is
1: perfect.
2: Except the fucking voiceover. OMG! I want to stab it. Okay, now hang on a second. These are things I wrote in all caps. No, because I was like super, super into how into these episodes and into the like the twist ending that came at the end of the episodes. And then I was like, like for instance, the the probably the um the ones the ones where the voiceover bothered me the the actually no it was it bothered me in all of them but just as an example yeah since we were talking about the one with shatner i loved where that ended it was so great where the other couple comes in and it's like
1: do you think we might leave ridgeview today (sighs) is there any way out Anyway,
2: way at all they just didn't they made the opposite decision and they you know became slaves to the little machine thing and like whatever mm-hmm. um and like that was so great and fascinating and like you know human you know the devils are the are the humans all along kind of a thing <laughs> um and then the fucking voiceover comes in and is like
0: counterbalance in the little town of ridgeview ohio Two people permanently enslaved by the tyranny of fear and superstition. Facing the future with a kind of helpless dread.
2: Two sides of the same coin. Two different outcomes happening in one small town. And it's like, Jesus, dude, I have a brain. I got it. I figured that out. (laughs) And, like, the same with, with all of them, with, like, the The thing with the 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 monsters are expected where it turned out that the monsters were the humans all along and then basically he came and like they did it really well and they pulled that off and they you know actually that one more than the voiceover bothered me in that one actually. I felt Wait, like the, it would have been better without the aliens. I think it would have been better if like the people had just torn each other apart But it turned out that it was just a freak power outage Or something No no, and... but
1: that's the whole thing though Is that this is The aliens are taking over the earth And they're letting us do it The whole idea is that this isn't just a story about Maple Street This is a story about what could happen to you tomorrow No, I It's understand. the universality Of, of like no, no, and no, no, I... Yes they lay it on super thick but come on, that, that, that voiceover at the end of Maple Street where he's talking about the, the tools, tools of conquest. The tools of conquest do
0: not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices to be found only in the minds of men. For the record, prejudices can kill and suspicion can destroy. And a thoughtless, frightened search for a scapegoat has a fallout all of its own. For the children and the children yet unborn. And the pity of it is that these things cannot be confined
1: to the twilight zone. You do not get chills when he says that? Come on. No, because <laughs> my
2: brain already did that.
1: <laughs> no, I'm dead
2: serious. I was like, oh, I got this point. I figured it out. I, I you know, I followed it. I Ugh, I, I, figured out that the humans are the monsters and that this is universal and that, and actually with again with that one I was annoyed that there were actual real aliens doing it like I thought it yeah. would have been better if there were no aliens at all but even with the aliens and it, and that was the thing also with that one was with mo- with most of them it was like I had that like oh,
3: damn like <laughs>
2: yes what a great twist ending and then he was like see this twist ending <laughs> Here's a universal point about the world, and I was like, you know what? This is redundant because that already happened inside my brain. With that one, actually, it was like the aliens made the same point out loud, and then he came in with his voiceover and was like, "Here's the point the aliens just made, writ even larger and more dramatically intoned." <laughs> Sorry. Agree as I to said, disagree. As I, 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 said, I, as I said in the the message thread that I was having with someone else about this before we actually started recording. Uh-huh. Uh huh. This is nerd blasphemy. I'm sure. Like <laughs> I, I am certain that this is some kind of beyond the pale, horrible thing that I'm saying. That's I actually don't okay. know about
1: that. I mean, no, but I, it I, makes I me would so angry. <laughs> I would totally. I, I acknowledge. I see your point. I see your point about it being too thick and that it's being too, too obvious. I don't care though, because Rod Serling, the the way he delivers these lines, which are frequently like overly flowery and frequently really obvious. I don't care. It is it is the perfect it, it is it is the perfect encapsulation of the episode. You're bookending the episode with with the, this omniscient narrator and I feel like that is an inimical part of the Twilight Zone is having the this voice, specifically his voice. I'm I, I've been there's been like a bunch of like revivals of the Twilight Zone over the years, which I've never bothered with. There's, there was like a movie that Steven Spielberg was involved with in the '80s, and then there've been several attempts to reboot it on TV. And for me, like his voice, kind of yeah, holding your hand and being a bit obvious through the episode, that is like a, a, an incredibly like maybe it's just nostalgia, but I feel like that is such an important part of the episode. Is just kind of having this. Um, it's almost like like reassuring in a way it's kind of like the story is over unless you unless you want to think about it some more which of course you should you know
0: marsha white in her normal and natural state a wooden lady with a painted face who one month out of the year takes on the characteristics of someone as normal and as flesh and blood as you and i but it makes you wonder doesn't it just how normal are we Just who are the people we nod our hellos to as we pass on the street? A rather good question to ask, particularly in the Twilight Zone.
2: Well, and I will say, like, I do think that's the reassurance aspect is probably a very intentional part of it, especially when we're thinking about, you know, late 50s TV. Like, there was stuff they couldn't do on TV because it would freak people out. And, you know, like we didn't happen to see any married couples in their own bedrooms in these episodes (laughs) that we watched, but if we had, I'm pretty sure they would have been in separate beds at this point. Like, so we're, yeah.
1: And yeah, I mean, on that topic of things that people might not have been ready for in 1960, um, let's maybe start with The Invaders, the horror episode at the end.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, so I super loved that. I was actually, well, and I have to say, I was like, I was a little bit bored uh, watching the episode itself because it was very much just like, silent like practically a silent movie and like you know this woman is just like fighting a little robot thing and whatever and actually the thing that was interesting to me though that got me so excited about it when it finally ended was that I was sitting there in part because I was bored with the episode going off on this whole little tangent in my head about like and in I have I have the written down notes to prove all of this um saying in you know thinking to myself like you know like what Actually, maybe I didn't write all this down. Anyway, the point is, why is it that we always assume that the aliens are going to be the first ones to find us? Like, why,
3: <laughs> why
2: is that a thing? Like, why do we, like, not think that we're ever going to be the ones to find them? And, of course, because you met me, I was then also on an additional mental tangent about how, you know, it's so telling about us as people and particularly <laughs> the dominant, the he, he, hmm, to use our alma mater's favorite word, hegemonic society, you know, in at least our world, uh, it's like, I was thinking, you know, God, it's so telling that we just assume that our first encounter with aliens is going to be them attempting to colonize and enslave us. Because of course we wouldn't think of anything else to do with a newly colonized place, since that's all that (laughs) we did with our newly colonized places. Like, good job, Western world. We rock at imagining things and being dumb and... (laughs) Euro and American centric, and just a million. There's a, these are the tangents I'm on in my head. <laughs> and then she goes and smashes the thing, and it has an Air Force logo on it. And it was like, oh shit! Boom! The Twilight Zone <laughs> is having the same mental tangent as me, and it's right. Ah, oh, yes! Awesome!
1: That was the sound of your head. Boom!
2: Yes. And then <laughs> Rad Sterling piped in and said, your head just exploded (laughs) we subverted your expectations
1: in the twilight zone exactly but no but I
2: was really I was sufficiently enthused actually about the ending of that one that I didn't even listen to his voiceover I was just like writing down. You were like, down. okay, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm done. I was actually, like, writing down, typing a note into my phone saying essentially all the things that I just said about, like, oh, that's exactly what I was thinking, oh my god, I'm so happy it turned out that way, so. Yeah. There,
1: there's, there's a I bunch totally of called the end of
2: the mannequin one, by the way.
1: Yeah, the, that one I realized that I, uh, kind of uh, inceptioned a little bit because I accidentally picked the first episode in which a man confuses a mannequin for a woman, and so then in the, oh. next, in the next episode <laughs> where we see man a bunch of mannequins and, like, they, they, they At the start of the episode, they're showing mannequins everywhere, and so it's kind of like, if you have just watched episode one, (laughs) maybe you're already thinking about mannequins like that, I don't know.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, it took me, it didn't take, it it wasn't quite that long, but like, uh, I don't know, I figured it out. Actually, the thing that mostly um, tipped me off was uh, her eyelashes. Ah. She ha- She was wearing some seriously aggressive fake eyelashes uh, <laughs> that looked very much like the eye makeup on li- like literally all female mannequins looks like Got that. Um, I mean, it took me... It, I, I didn't like see her walking across the screen and went, oh my God, she's a mannequin! But yeah, I did figure it out. <laughs> yeah. um, on a related note, and I, I it might be a little bit of a spoiler for the episode, except it's also in the episode title, <laughs> um... <laughs> You need to, like, as soon as we finish reading this, uh, recording this, if you haven't already, uh, go turn Netflix back on and watch uh, season three, episode nine of Bob's Burgers.
1: Okay. I'm guessing it's an elaborate Twilight Zone parody.
2: <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm just telling you. Okay. You it's an elaborate it. Twilight
1: Zone parody. Got it. <laughs> um, so, uh, it was, be, that's the it's thing. It's so, be
2: whatever it turns out to be, but you should watch w- when it When I said it.
1: When I said early that, earlier that there are episodes that everyone knows the ending to, you said, no, no, I don't think I do, I guarantee you that, that there are. Because there are some that have been parodied so much by so many different shows and referenced by so many different shows. For instance, one I didn't realize until I looked it up on Wikipedia, uh, Monsters Who on Maple Street, uh, there was an entire episode of Angel that was the Monsters Who Doer on Maple Street, where, where they're like in the hotel and there's the paranoia ghost that's possessing uh, oh, yeah. people and they're all accusing yeah. Angel
2: you know, that was one um that was one where I was having that that elaborate this reminds me of things. I feel like that one reminds me of a million things. Exactly. And it's that been, episode been parodied of Angel, and referenced a
1: million times.
2: Yeah, that episode of Angel which I had forgotten the specifics of until you literally just said it is certainly one of them. But and I can't think of the of the specific. It's and also
1: been on The Simpsons, and I think they've they've done like the, a bunch of things like well, that. Well, and the like, thing is
2: that though, the other thing is that um, I think that there are also a lot of things in the world that explore that idea without oh, yeah. being a parody of that episode.
1: No, that's. True. And I'm not that's thinking. True. Of, I'm
2: not thinking of a of a good example of it, but it's like, you know, it's it's. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a different concept, but it's a version of the same core concept as just like hell is other people. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, just like the idea that there's a whole play where people are in hell and they're trying to figure out the rules of hell. And it's literally just that the three of them are stuck in a room with each other for eternity. Like that's hell that right there is hell. Um, yeah. And it's, I don't know. It's like, it feels a little bit like a variant of that, a good, interesting variant for sure. But, um, also like the crucible.
1: Yeah. I mean, that, that's true. Which, yeah, I mean, crucible. and there
2: are obvious reasons for that, since we all know what the Crucible is. Yeah, about. yeah, I we all know the what crucible the Crucible and Nipple Street are the same thing.
1: thing, yeah. <laughs> Hello, Cold
2: War. How are you?
1: Good. Glad to be back. Um, so. What's up? <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, this is something that, like, uh, is also frequently a theme of, uh, of Twilight Zone. It's just, you know, it, it's maybe sometimes to avert uh political you know <laughs> messaging and parableness um it, it's 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 really underscores one of the things that I love about sci-fi that a lot of people don't which is just how inherently political it always is like even if it's just things as subtle as you know like oh well we're like like you were saying earlier we're, we're astronauts trying to colonize another planet right like th- th- things like things like that are, are just um I don't know I, I as I was watching Maple Streets this time around, this is maybe, like, the fourth or fifth time I've seen that episode, um, I got to thinking about how, um, you know, Disney just put out the first, like, Star Wars movie that's, like, outside of the main Star Wars Mm storyline, more or less. And, like, I would love to see, like, an anthology-type story in the Star Wars world where people are just, like, talking, where it's just, like, a talking, like, you know, one-act play. Oh no,
2: like, no, like
1: no fighting stormtroopers, no jedi at all you want, no darth you vader want like
2: you want like uh before midnight for or before i'm sorry that's the that's the third one that i still haven't seen you want like before I seen sunrise any of those. but yeah i haven't seen any, any of those Wars. but oh we might watch before sunrise i've i've only seen it once but it's really it's quite a thing
1: yeah. The point I've, I've been is it's a told. very
2: it's a very talky. <laughs>
1: yeah. I, I, I want I want if, if Disney is able to commit to since they can clearly make as much money as they want from any Star Wars story, I would love to see just like, you know, one off like weird little, you know, theatrical type, you know, stories in, in that world. Or, or or other worlds for that matter, that that are not just like big adventure shooty blast blast laser swords you know that um are getting getting at themes themes like this where you can just have people reacting to the world right
2: yeah you know i'm thinking um well my brain is going in so many directions right now (laughs) um one of them is that i feel like what you're talking about slash what i'm about to say might already be a premise for an episode of the excellent youtube series after hours i'm sure i've talked about it oh before. yeah the cracked series cracked, after yeah. hours it's like it's like one of my favorite things that exists on the it's internet pretty great. it's so good yeah. i've watched most of the episodes <laughs> multiple times like the only episodes that i haven't watched multiple times are the ones that are just straight up about things that like i have no idea what the fuck they're talking about <laughs> and even some of those i've watched multiple times because they're just hilarious enough um, but, no, like, it It would be so interesting to see, like, other types of genres, like, pulled off in, in like, the settings of other movies. Right. <laughs> like, like, the rom-com that would be, you know, set in the Star Wars galaxy. Or, like, how... Well, we talked, I
1: think, in the Zombieland episode about the fact that that was a zom and how, you know, yeah. like... You know, but I know what it was when we were. um, Oh, God, this was in the Pacific Rim episode. I don't remember if this was actually in the episode or if it was just us talking (laughs) around the time when we were recording it. But I was saying uh, a similar thing. Clearly, I'm a broken record. I was saying that I wanted I'm
2: not a broken record about anything ever. (laughs)
1: i'm a more broken record than you are um i was i was saying in the pacific rim uh episode that i wanted a rom-com that takes place during a kaiju attack but you never see the kaiju and it's just like it's just a thing that happens in the background yeah yeah
2: (laughs) yes which for for non-buffy fans yeah which like if you're not a buffy fan i don't know how you can ever follow our conversations but Mm -hmm. um but the Zeppo is an episode of Buffy that begins with the character Xander, who is very often just sort of the comic relief, least useful character, expressing right. his frustration with that, that he's like Zeppo Marx. Um <laughs> And then the episode proceeds to just follow him and his storyline while he does a little like an ancillary thing that's also necessary and like important and makes things like you know helps with the success of the episode but like meanwhile everyone else is fighting some kind of like giant monster in the library or something and all you see is like periodically they someone runs past looking like they just got exploded and it's just like you have literally (laughs) no idea what the main battle of the episode is it's all
1: happening in the background
2: yeah it's very cool um no and yeah you did you did say that about pacific rim and yeah that would be that would be super fun and it's also yeah it's People, they do spend so much time building all of these worlds for us. And, like, it would be really cool to see, like, what's going on in those worlds. Like...
1: Be- because in Monsters of on Maple Street, it's very much situated, as, as Rosalind says, that the place is here. <laughs> and so <laughs> it's, it's situated in our own political world where we know going in you know people reacting to something weird in the sky you know okay so Alien if it's invasion. not aliens then maybe it's Russians you may you know knowing, knowing that this is a, a product of the cold war right we we bring in all these all this knowledge and all these assumptions about the world and really you know if you have a good enough writer you, you don't really need to have you don't need to have any specific thing you could you could just have people standing in the street talking to one another in progressively louder voices until suddenly society falls apart exactly. and the earth is doomed
2: <laughs> exactly yeah um uh what was i gonna say oh there's so many things sorry i'm this yeah. This tangent this tangent is taking my brain in more way 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 more directions than we like than i can really deal with right now um the tangents they're too oh, much oh, oh oh have you um you've read a wrinkle in time yeah oh yeah okay good I I mean, it was a long time
1: ago. All I really remember is, like, it was a dark and stormy night and then, like, a few glimpses of here and there. But I I definitely read it a couple times when I was a kid.
3: Hmm.
2: I'm wondering, I'm wondering Should we revisit it? (laughs) I'm wondering whether whether your insufficient memory is enough grounds to revisit it. Because, like, if you remembered it, like, remotely clearly, you would probably already know why I just brought it up
1: yeah
2: no clue um I mean it's a tangent I was just like I'm always I'm always reminded when uh, when presented with a scene of the kind of like the kind of like perfect like the sun is shining the sky is blue Mm -hmm. the children are getting their ice cream kind of thing like was at the beginning of that Maple Street episode I'm always very specifically reminded of the world of a wrinkle in time, and you have no idea what I'm talking about at all. No clue. Okay, no clue. Well, yeah, no. Then it's then then it's been long enough special, since you read like, it as a child that we have to reread it because it's okay. Mm, I have a fish named Mal. Special Langle, exception to the so geek versus just, new girls. Just to, <laughs> just to clarify where I'm coming from with this, <laughs> I actually haven't reread the sequels. Um,
3: yeah, but I, I have
2: I have reread I have reread a wrinkle in time recently, and it it oh man, it's good. So we'll do that. Well, if, we it, it,
1: it, if you like. I uh, did like suburban scenes where things suddenly go wrong. Can I recommend the Twilight Zone? Because Rod certainly <laughs> goes to that well. It's all a lot. that they
2: do, which
3: makes perfect. <laughs> sense no, it's though. not all
1: he does, but he he loves he loves the idea of subverting. You know, everything is fine, everything is normal and ordinary, until I come in. <laughs> well, it makes
2: perfect sense though, because a that's all that was on TV at the time was right. was Leave It to Beaver and and exactly you know. Uh, the, the, Donna, the Donna Reed show, which fa- factors yeah. extremely prominently in an episode of Gilmore Girls, which is literally called That Don- that Damn Donna Reed. Okay. I don't think it's anyone's favorite episode of Gilmore Girls. It's more than a little problematic. But anyway, it exists. <laughs> um, but also, yeah, so like those kinds of scenes were all that was on TV at the time. And then also like the entire country was completely obsessed with the notion that they're perfect – idyllic suburban mm-hmm. scenes were going to get nuked at literally any time and that anyone right. lurking around the corner might be a communist so
1: exactly but the thing is <laughs> and that like the the Twilight Zone happened. steers into <laughs> the Twilight Zone steers into that stuff whereas other shows no, kind great. of you know skirted around it yeah so that, that's just I mean this is, I think I kind of this is
2: skirted around it most most shows like from this era are like
1: yeah Honey, everything's fine <laughs>
2: Like, yeah. the uh, <laughs> the great parody of uh, Anthony Michael Hall's Home Life that Judd Nelson does in The Breakfast Club. Have you oh, yeah. You have seen The Breakfast Club. It's another
1: one you haven't seen. No, I've, I've seen The Breakfast Club. I know. I
2: just said. I started oh. to ask, and then I said, no, you have seen The Breakfast Club. It's another yeah, yeah. one you haven't seen. Some other – Oh, got it. I got it. It, it. Yeah.
1: Another one referring to – okay. Got yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: It. Probably uh. – um, Pretty in pink. Probably pretty in pink, yeah. Because yeah, 16, candles, sixteen candles you have seen, and also it's a disgusting travesty that should just I hated die. sixteen candles. Yeah. Everyone um, everyone with remotely okay sensibilities hates sixteen candles. It's
1: not okay. <laughs> yeah.
2: And uh, we are on quite a tangent.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think of how I got on this. Oh yeah, just just Politically, political sci-fi. That 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 was it. Is I I like sci-fi that that it is willing to acknowledge the fact that it's political and just steers into that. Now we won't show them anything. If they want to look inside our house. Let them get a search warrant. Look,
0: buddy, you can't afford to. Now, Charlie, don't you tell me what I can afford, and stop telling me who's dangerous and who isn't, and who's safe and who's a menace. And you're with them too, all of you. You're all standing out here, all set to crucify somebody. You're all set to find a scapegoat. You're all desperate to point some kind of a finger at a neighbor. But believe me, friends, the only thing that's going to happen is that we're going to eat each other up alive.
2: Well, I mean, it's also it is really smart for a show, especially at this time when when things were a lot, you know, when things were just the the TV networks and most things were very quite safe you know in in, yeah in that kind of broadcast entertainment for something to steer directly into politics like that and steer directly into like our deepest seated anxieties from then but also pretty much now and also make a direct effort to subvert the tropes of most everything else on tv at the time like it's pretty yeah that's that's really a solid achievement in 1959
1: for sure absolutely so yeah i guess that's uh, that's all I had really written down. I don't know if you had anything else, any other notes uh, about these episodes. So the podcast hosts agree the show <laughs> is
2: remarkable for its time, although they continue to disagree about the
1: details. And also
2: this fucking voiceover.
1: <laughs> okay, can I just say in the intro, in the intro to Nick of Time? Come on, you can't, you can't tell me that you didn't, you didn't love Rod Serling saying. The male member of a honeymoon team. Like, yes,
2: I didn't mind the intros because they help set up, they help establish like the world that we're in, and they are also like yeah. a whole little rhythm to them. Like, we get a little seed, and then. He shows, in, shows up to say a thing and then say, in the Twilight Zone, or very close to the Twilight Zone, or whatever. On the outskirts was, of the Twilight right, Zone. Right, <laughs> it, was, it was at the end, where it was like, damn it, you just gave me such a good episode of TV, and then you had to come in and say, that was a good episode of TV.
1: <laughs> well, it sounds like, okay, I haven't seen as much of this show, but it sounds like what you really want is you want uh, the Alfred Hitchcock Hour. Uh, have you seen that?
2: Basically not at all.
1: I mean, because that, that thing, basically, that show, I think it started as a half-hour show as Alfred Hitchcock Presents, and then became the Alfred Hitchcock Hour, if I remember correctly. That sounds And accurate. that sh- that show starts off with Hitchcock coming on with his, his theme music, and he's going to good evening and he gives like a little little intro in that very Hitchcockian way and then he's just out of there it's, it's just then it's I think it's him basically handing off the camera to like people who he liked who, like other directors and writers for the most part um, and I don't think he like provides a book into the show although it's been a long time since I've seen any of that I could be completely misremembering Um, it sounds like that's what you want it sounds like you you want you want a nice intro and then i'm gonna get out of here and just let you let you
2: yeah i just don't i just and again i understand why it's there yeah but i just and i do the thing is i don't think that if they made this show now like if it were a new thing that had never been done Mm -hmm. and someone made this show i don't think they would have the outro because i think that for a variety of reasons they would recognize that like it works better to just like land an episode and drop mm-hmm. a fucking mic and walk away like i think <laughs> that that's something and and to to a great extent it's that's just something a that we are better trained as audience members to process and deal with and it's also something that like the people producing entertainment you know have have gotten better at you know recognizing that that's really effective and that you don't need to to tie a bow around it at the end it already looks pretty damn great you know what i mean yeah. like that's my thing and it's and like ultimately it's a minor quibble it's it's like it's that at it's at the basically every episode ends for me the ones we watched anyway all mm-hmm. ended with like an
3: ooh
2: damn yeah <laughs> followed by oh for fuck's sake <laughs> like that's, you again like, <laughs> that's where that's pretty much how every single episode ended for me like right, that's that's right. my. Thing. I'm, and I'm
1: clearly not going to change your mind here you're
2: not and it's also a pretty minor quibble for the most part i really liked the show and i think it's a pretty I'm glad great to hear that. thing so
1: well if you or any of our listeners decide to keep on going with the show which i would strongly encourage you to do Um, I would suggest there's, uh, I forget what it's called, but there's an extension you can get for Chrome that'll show an IMDb when you're just looking at like the episode list for a TV show. It'll show you in line with just the titles like what rating uh, each episode got out of 10 from IMDB's oh. users and that's really useful for this show because as previously discussed you can hop around and so what I do is I um, there's actually several episodes that I've just never watched uh, but I just set a threshold of like I think for me it's 7.8 out of 10 I've just decided anything that or above I'll, I'll watch in the Twilight Zone because um, you know it's it's not it's not a flawless show there's certainly some episodes some of which i've seen which are shitty um but (laughs) (laughs) uh but you know this it's a very easy and forgiving show to hop around in so um i would suggest doing something like that so that you're not you know wasting time with with one of the one of the b plots
0: sounds solid oh
1: and uh while i'm watching that episode of bob's burgers you should watch season one episode eight of the twilight zone time enough at last
2: I'm enough at last. Okay.
1: Yeah. So Emily, uh, before Rod Sterling plays us out here with one of his cryptic outros, what are we going to be talking about?
2: Or are they aggressively (laughs) like plain and clear? Okay.
1: Before Rod Sterling plays us out with one of his aggressively plain and clear outros, (laughs) (laughs) what are we going to be talking about next time?
2: Well, um, we are definitely going to read a wrinkle in time, probably in like two episodes. Uh, or something because it's it's relevant and I want you to read it again but okay um my next episode is already predetermined because it is uh it has it has a time peg for when we're recording this anyway uh not for anything else um but uh it is early January of 2017 we're both still reeling from the tragic loss of Carrie Fisher and mm-hmm. that makes it all the more ridiculous and egregious that this one particular movie that Eric has never seen, he's never seen, and it's was sitting, it been sitting on our podcast list the whole time we've been doing this podcast. So we are now, finally, in her honor and memory, going to fucking watch When Harry Met Sally. Ah, okay. I feel like you do <laughs> that already.
1: <laughs> I, I didn't know that she was in Harry Met Sally, no. Oh,
2: so you didn't, Okay. I, I, thought, I was like, I feel like I had already told you... I was that making that's...
1: a face while you were doing that build-up where I was like, where is this going? I, I was tracking my brain for what the hell this <gasps> I was. Thought so I thought you were thinking... already
2: aware of this entire thing. No. Well, now you know that's what we're doing. And it's going to be really right. stellar because it's great and obviously she's fantastic, so...
1: All right, well, until then, where else can we find you on the internet?
2: I am on Twitter, at EJReports.
1: That's not even remotely the I know, roster, it was bad. Well,
2: because... It works better when you're parodying what he actually says as opposed to Twitter which he's never heard
1: of <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, th- I think if Ron Sterling had heard of Twitter <laughs> then, the, the then there would, would probably
2: never... be a Twilight Zone episode about it
1: yeah probably the Twitter Zone uh, and I'm on Twitter at Hey
2: I wish that my eye roll to that comment about the Twitter Zone could possibly be audible <laughs> it might have been honestly I don't know but when I go back and listen to this audio it's possible that it was audible
1: <laughs> well this is Giant Geek versus Mega Noob i
2: next time. <laughs> he
1: doesn't
2: say that until next time we're leaving the twilight zone I don't know
0: this has been Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob for more visit gvnpodcast.com